Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. And now it's my great pleasure to introduce you to our guest speaker for today, Reverend Kelly Isola. Reverend Kelly Isola is an innovation alchemist and passionate about supporting people and organizations to live and love more, authentic, more authentically by sharing her passion for living the twofold path of an engaged spiritual life, embracing the inner path of wisdom as well as demonstrating the outer path of compassionate service. She is the co-founder of Project Sanctus, a certified embodied social activist and a somatic abolitionist, a teacher sharing her wisdom in the classroom as faculty for two seminaries and around the globe through her own classes, and a blogger and writer for Unity Magazine, various Unity booklets, and a number of online magazines. Please join me in welcoming Reverend Kelly Isola. Good morning. Hippo birdie to you. Keep that in mind. Hippo birdie to you. Hippo birdie to you, Charles Fillmore, actually is the complete statement because August 22nd was his birthday. And Myrtle Fillmore, other co-founder of Unity, actually, I say she's the founder of Unity because she started in with learning and uh, practicing what she was learning. And Charles waited a couple years and then kind of came on board. But I digress. But I want you to remember Hippo Birdie to you. And the reason that I want you to remember it is one, it's just plain funny. Uh, if you remember the cartoon, Sandra Boynton, I've been saying for a while it was Gary Larson. And if you know Gary Larson cartoons, he, you know, the far side, he uses animals to make fun of people. Sandra Boynton is another cartoonist that does the same thing. And this is one of, this is her cartoon of Hippo Birdie to You. The reason that I call it this and the reason that I, I, I want you to remember it is that it's, if you say it really fast, um, you can hear happy birthday in there, right? Hippo birdie to you, um, hippo birdie to you. If you say, or use, right? If it's more than one, more than one sheep. And it's you, when you hear it though, you kind of go, wait, what? You kind of like lean in and go, wait, what did I just hear? Hippo birdie, what? And there's something in there about you. Now is that you like Y-O-U or E-W-E like sheep? It's, it's a statement that, that invites us to, one, just kind of lighten up, like never forget to lighten up. And at the same time, it reminds us that there's always more to be seen, there's always more to, to hear, that there's always more to learn. So the minute when you hear something that sort of, you know, is, is in this genre of hippo birdie to you, so when you hear something and you kind of go, wait, what? Uh, it's an invitation to pause. It's an invitation to go, okay, wait, what did I just hear? 
and to really take it on and to engage with it and not, and especially if you hear it and you feel really uncomfortable and you think, uh, I don't, that's not what I think, or no, no, that's not what I was taught. That's, you know, the more we kind of push back on something, believe it or not, the more we probably need to engage with it, not to change our minds, but to notice where our resistance, where our pushback is. Um, and I don't even want to necessarily use the word resistance, but where we kind of go, no, you know, which kind of puts a wall. Again, it's not about changing what I think as much as it is expanding, right? Expanding what I'm thinking, expanding, you know, other, you know, that wait, not everybody sees things as I do, no matter how expansive I think my mind is or my heart, there's always a little more pushing the boundary that we can do. So that's why I do Hippo Birdie to you. I use that statement, one, because August 22nd was Charles Fillmore's birthday. And <clears throat> so I can wish the man happy birthday, you know, because he's now, he was born in 1854. <laughs> Believe it or not, I didn't even do the math beforehand, but I'm sure somebody sitting there with paper and pen can 1854 to 2022, whatever that math is. And because there's things that we think we know Charles Fillmore, co-founder of Unity. We think we know what he believed. We think we know what he taught, like with, with a degree of solid certainty. And yet there's a lot of things that he said that didn't make it into the books because most of the books that have his name by Charles Fillmore, he didn't really write. Somebody transcribed talks and took, it was like a bunch of sticky notes being put together. So somebody transcribed talks and not even sure if the transcription is verbatim uh, and then put the talks together into, into books. There is prosperity he did write, but it's highly, highly repetitive from other books. So I'm poking at, and I think in the description, kind of looking at the man behind the curtain. Charles and Myrtle Fillmore were very clear about not having dogma, not having creed, not concretizing um, philosophy. You know, Charles Fillmore referred to unity as a living religion. Well, a living religion is, to me, and lots of people can interpret lots of ways, things in lots of different ways, but a living religion to me is one that's evolving, one that's in movement, one that is alive, right? Hence the word living. And he, uh, uh, it, so they, they were big fans of not creedalizing things, right? And I don't think that's what, what we were gifted. I think what we were gifted, what we inherited is the capacity to research, our capacity to think critically, our capacity to try something on that might be a little uncomfortable or might be the opposite of, wait, I've been in unity for 20 years. Nobody ever said that to me, you know, kind of thing and engage with it to, to stretch ourselves. Both Charles and Myrtle refer to, um, are this journey as spiritual seekers, they, they, the analogy they used over and over and over was to mathematics, um, meaning there's a kind of a method to the madness. And, but always engaging with, with the material, always engaging with it. We're familiar, many of us are familiar, and we heard at the beginning of the service, two, Unity's first principle, Unity's second principle. I will confess two things, one, I've come to believe over the last two and a half years that Unity's first principle is you need to unmute yourself. And then the other five follow, but that's just me. The other thing about Unity's five principles that I 
uh, believe is that it's really, and I've been engaged with what I'm about to say for a while, for a long time, and it's something I teach, and it's Kelly, right? This is my, my uh, interpretation, right? My contemporary way of, of a moving unity philosophy and teachings forward to move them out of being, you know, a creed or this is what is or concretized. And that is, there's one principle for practices. There's one principle, the first one, not the unmute yourself one, but there's one principle and four practices. And for me, that has been much more powerful and, and requires me to really engage and, and leave space for evolution, leave space for doubting, right? Doubt is a natural part. Doubt is a part of faith. It's not the opposite, it's part of it. So if we aren't challenging our thinking, if we aren't challenging what we believe, if we aren't challenging our faith, we're not really doing ourselves any favors. The five, what's known today as the five principles grew out of a unity statement of faith that was first published in February of 1921. Um, and it was actually 32 statements, 32 statements that if you read today, you'd be like, wait, what? Like, you'd be like, nope, nope, you know, and start crossing them off because they don't fit, right? They don't, they don't work within the world we're in right now. Over time, they were um, just kind of, they just kind of went away like a lot of other things. Um, and what emerged was these five, these five principles. But as I said, Charles and Myrtle routinely made statements against the nature of creeds um, and dogma and really thought they were obstacles to our own growth. Uh, in fact, in the first issue of Modern Thought magazine, which was uh, April 1889, and Modern Thought Unity and Modern Thought magazine is now known as Unity magazine, but the very first issue was April 1889, which marks the beginning of Unity, and this is what they wrote in this very first issue. The influx of new thought is always necessary to life, and he who writes a creed or puts a limit to revelation is the enemy of humanity. Eek. So the influx of new thought, not new thought like capital N, capital T, but new ideas, new thinking, new pushing, you know, stretching our boundaries, going behind the curtain, right? Looking at the man or the woman behind the curtain. So the influx, think of a lake that has an inlet and an outlet, right? It's always necessary to life. And anybody who, who puts a limit on that to, to revelation, because that's often what becomes, what comes from new ways of thinking and, and being uncomfortable with new ways of thinking and challenging ourselves and what we believe and how we practice and what we practice, puts a limit to revelation is the enemy of humanity. That's pretty harsh the enemy of humanity. But wait, it gets more harsh. It gets better. He says, goes on to say, creeds have ever been the vampires that suck the blood of spiritual progress in the past and life can only be kept in this present movement by latitude of thought. Latitude of thought tempered always by the power that moves the world, love. Creeds have ever been the vampires that sucked the blood of spiritual progress in the past. I love that. Um, I want to go, so what do you really think, Charles and Myrtle? Like, tell me how you really feel. Um, my favorite part, though, is at the end. 
where that, you know, this present life that I have, that what I, you know, believe and, and my growth and your growth and my individual healing and our communal healing and, you know, transforming my own inner world and transforming the world around me, because it's not an individual endeavor, it's, a, it's an individual and a collective thing. But we can only be doing that in this present moment, in this present movement by latitude of thought. And latitude of thought means I got to be willing to stretch. I got to be willing to go, okay, I'm not sure I get it. I'm not sure I like that. I'm not sure that makes sense. I'm not sure, like, uh, really? Um, the question, right? Questioning, which I believe is what, what we were given, which is I, I believe we inherited right? And that latitude of thought, right? So we don't kind of go way off into the ditch, right? We like to think in unity that all perspectives are welcome. And I've come to a place where I'm not sure if all perspectives are welcome. Are welcome. Uh, we like to think that because we want to be inclusive. And it, that's something to wrestle with. The other piece of that is if all perspectives are welcome, I got to tell you, they don't all carry the same weight. Um, but that's another one of those, like having latitude of thought, but let me temper that by the power of love, um, which doesn't, again, the power of love doesn't mean that everything is the same, um, but it it keeps me from, from uh, having latitude of thought that doesn't go off into being, um, you know, violent and very disagreeable and mean-spirited and some of the stuff that we see today. So that's the first Hippo birdie to you, right? As soon as you hear that, that's one of those statements that is the hippo birdie to you. So we can pause and go, okay, wait, what? Um, it's not a statement about, see, we're right. And those people that have creeds are wrong. That's not what it's about. If you want to know if unity has any creed or any dogma, make the suggestion to someone that's been in unity a long time or even to a minister, let's stop talking about lessons and truths. Let's not do the prayer for protection anymore. Let's not do anything, you know, let's not talk about, um, you know, pick something, you know, the prayer of faith. The minute that we pick something that is very close to our heart, that is very, um, that we hold really very dearly and suggest that that be removed, then you discover where we have creed and where we do have dogma. And it's not to pick at us and it's not to guilt or shame. It's just to notice. It's just to notice where we need to go. Okay, hippo birdie to you. One of my other favorite uh, quotes from Charles Fillmore is, is around the Bible. Because the Bible is, if you read Charles and Myrtle, um, at least the published, um, the books, there's a lot of scripture getting quoted. There's a lot from, you know, there's a, there's just a lot of scripture, particularly, um, you know, there's quite a bit from Christian Testament. And it's really fascinating to me because the more that if you, so I'm someone who has put um, um, quite a bit of, I put a lot of years into studying what's in the archives, right? What's which is not published. Uh, and there's a whole lot about Charles and Myrtle that people don't know because we just have a few books out there. So that's another one of those that we kind of keep a latitude of thought and, and, and keep in mind that both of them 
were spiritual seekers like you and I that were working out what they believe, right? They were working out um, just um, Charles much more publicly than Myrtle, but working out, okay, where are we going? What am I thinking? Just got this new information about mind treatment and, and what does that mean and how do I do that? And they're working it out, right? That they're not, and not everything that they said or not everything they believe actually panned out. Not all of it has been brought forward. Um, you know, we do that transcend and include thing. You transcend what, what just isn't it anymore, what doesn't fit, what doesn't apply, and we include things that are still relevant. It's this paradox of relevance and reverence, right? We can be overly reverent and then we get sacred cows and we can be overly relevant where we lose some of our roots. So it's really the roots and wings, right? Relevance and reverence. And that's what I wanted to, to offer to you this morning. So when it comes to scripture, you, you see quite a bit of, you know, the Bible being uh, brought forward. Myrtle was raised a very strict Methodist. She, she you know, pushed back pretty hard uh, on her parents. It was her mother, really. And, um, it, but what's interesting about that is that when, when uh, they first started prayer meetings um, back in uh, 18, late 1880s into the early 1890s, in Kansas City, they modeled the prayer services after Methodist prayer services. So there's a little hippo birdie to you where people are like, wait, what? Um, of course, it didn't stay that way, but that's just one of those little pieces of our history. So when it comes to scripture, and we see lots of scripture being quoted, this is one of my favorite ones from Charles. It says, I think sometimes we would get along a little faster in our understanding of the absolute truth if we quit this constant quotation of scripture. Wait, what? Hippo birdie to you. Again, and this is one of those statements that he made where it, it just, it's an invitation to stop and pause and to just kind of pay attention to, well, what are, what are am I doing? What are we doing? Um, to, are, do I, you know, when I return to scripture, if you're someone who enjoys Bible, Hebrew Testament or Christian Testament, like how are we using it and, and why? And is there a lot of it going on? And again, I'm not saying to do it or not do it. Mine is just an invitation to, to go hippo birdie to use and go, wait, what? Like, what, what it? Like, quit this constant quotation of scripture, but you're the one who's always quoting it in your talks. Um, because he, Charles, was certainly someone who was routinely questioning himself, moving, you know, through his own beliefs, moving through, you know, changing his mind, um, not staying put, but always, you know, and Myrtle as well, practicing principle and, and navigating through that, the latitude of, latitude of thought, tempered by the power of love. So, you know, it's quit this constant quotation of scripture. I wanna come back to the, you know, what's historically known as unity five principles, uh, because our first one that you say at the beginning of the service is there's one presence and one power. Um, and that's, you know, our first principle. And one of the, um, what, what sometimes happens with, um, with it is that we, we one, of, one of the historical things that has kind of been brought forward and unconsciously sort of embedded in our culture is when we, when we think about God or the divine or whatever word you use, that one power, 
uh, it, it often can come across as though it's something outside of us, you know, something that, that, is, um, that we may pray to or something we believe loves us or will forgive us. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a judgment about any of that. I'm just, these are things that I kind of notice as I'm moving around within, within um, Unity. And this, this next one is one of my favorite quotes because it reminds us and this is now, I, I want to connect this to the song that the hands, right? The song by Jewel. Um, these are my hands. They're small, but they're mine. And I use them, right? I use them to, to make a difference in the world. I use them to change the world. I use them to, for whatever, but they're my hands. And they might be small, but they're powerful, right? Small, but mighty. So he says, uh, when he talks about one, um, one power, he says, there is one power and we, we use it as we will, right? There's one power, we use it as we will, not it uses us, but we use it as we will. If we send it out by our thought and word in hate, it destroys. But if we send it out in love, it builds. There are not two powers, but two ways of using power, right? There are not two powers, but two ways of using power. And this for me is like a, a daily part of my checklist. What am I doing today or how am I doing? I know none of us really need another checklist. And it's a reminder of how am I sending out this principle that I use, right? How am I sending out um, you know, principle. And again, it's that, um, oops, sorry. It goes along with um, what he believes, what Charles said he believed about God, that God is individually formed in consciousness in each of us. Now that may be like, wait, what? I thought there was one presence and one power everywhere present. There's a hippo birdie to you, right? Kind of, wait, wait, what was that? What did you say? God is individually formed in consciousness in each of us. What that means is that, that yes, there is this absolute, unchanging, ever-present, absolute, right? One presence that is principle. Principle with a capital P is another word for, um, for God, is another word for divine is another word, whatever word you use for God. But principle, we use it. It doesn't use us, right? We use God, God doesn't use us, which is really can be very tricky. Um, but it, it reminds me that there is this one power and I decide how I use it. So I can send it out through my fear, through my unforgiveness, through my frustration, through my anger, right? And it destroys. The other choice is to send it out through compassion, to send it out through love, to send it out through silliness. In case you didn't know, silliness is a spiritual practice. It is. I have a whole list. I have a list of 51 items for silliness practices, but that's a squirrel moment. So God is individually formed in the consciousness in each of us. And what that means is that we each use that principle from our own perspective, right? From our own place, from our own personality, from our own 
um, way of being, from our own thinking nature, our own feeling nature, our own bodily sensing nature, and our own intuiting nature, right? So I just threw a whole bunch of stuff at you, a whole bunch of hippo birdie to you, looking at the man behind the curtain, and my invitation is simply to go to like, you know how animals or your cat, your dog, or other mammals kind of perk their head when they hear something like, wait, what? That's what I want for us, you know? Even if I've been in unity a week or I've been in unity for 35 years, I'm always wanting us to just question. Question the questions. Why ruin a good question with an answer, right? What, maybe we have responses to our questions, but to be inquiring, to be inquiring. So I wanna take the idea of, you know, God is individually formed in consciousness into meditation, just a, a brief meditation that allows us to kind of sit with maybe some, you heard something this morning that's uncomfortable. Maybe you heard something that is um, um, like, wait a minute, that's not what I was taught. I've been here a long time. This is something different and new, could be. Maybe you heard something that was like, yes, I knew it. I felt that, something like that inside. And now I, someone else is saying it out loud too. And anything in between. <sighs> so I get, you can hear my excitement around it all. So I want us to take a, brief, a breath, what I call a collective act of solidarity. A big breath in. <sighs> and you can close your eyes or you can leave them open. Maybe lower the gaze, have a soft gaze. And just follow the breath. Don't change the breath. Just follow it and settle into the body. Settle into the body. And as you hear my words, that God is individually formed in the consciousness of each of us. God is individually formed in the consciousness of each of us. Just notice what thoughts come up. Notice what images may come to mind. God is individually formed in the consciousness in each of us. What emotions, right? What feelings? It may be a feeling of peace. It may be one of curiosity. If there's discomfort, just be with it. Meet the discomfort and know that it is creativity waiting to emerge from you. So what feelings come up? And then scan your body gently just sort of move from the head down to the feet slowly 
gently notice sensations in the body. Is there tension anywhere? Or contraction? And just notice the neck, the shoulders, the lower back. Just notice where the sensations are in your body. Don't judge, just notice. individually formed in the consciousness of each of us. So noticing your thoughts around that or the meaning making or images. Returning to the emotions that may be there, any and all. Focusing on where in my body do I feel these things, the sensations. And then finally, asking the heart, what is mine to know from this? What is mine to know from this? Let's hold that question in the stillness and the quiet. Let's just hold that question. What is mine to know of this? In the stillness, in the stillness. God is individually formed in the consciousness in each of us, which makes each of us an unrepeatable creature, an unrepeatable, fully human, fully divine, glorious, magnificent being right here and right now. That God is individually formed in our consciousness means we get to decide how we form that 
principle and bring it forward into our world. Remembering the words from the song, my hands are small, but they are mine. And we use them with latitude of thought, tempered always by the power of love, which moves our world. And so it is, and so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org. 